You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. morning. Hey, thank you for joining us as always. Hope you've enjoyed this Supernatural series. Uh, hopefully it's helped you kind of give you a biblical perspective on the, these kind of supernatural related topics. Last week we looked at the topic of ghosts. Uh, I'm guessing you haven't heard too many sermons uh, on the topic of ghosts, but uh, today we're talking about ghosts again, but a different kind of ghost, uh, an amazing and incredible ghost, the Holy Ghost. If you still use the King James Version or if you used to use the King James Version, you know that the Holy Ghost was used as a translation that now is most often translated as the Holy Spirit. Uh, Same Greek word, just a a different translation. But the difference in the Holy Ghost and the ghost we talked about last week is that there isn't anything scary uh, about the Holy Ghost. We don't have to be scared. In fact, the the Holy Ghost is an incredible gift that Scripture promises that, that we will receive when we become followers of Jesus. It's a, a supernatural, incredible gift, and we're going to talk about it today. And this is so cool, because as we are given the, the Holy Ghost, or, or the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and when we're given it, we, we get to have God living in us. Okay, so sometimes I think we adults get this confused, and, and uh, we have to have even have kids explain it to us, kind of like in the story of a four-year-old girl named Amanda, and she went to the the doctor's office with a fever, and the doctor looked in her ears and said, hey, who's in there? Is that Donald Duck? And she said, no. And he looked in her nose and said, who's in there? Is is that Mickey Mouse? And and again, she said, no. And he put the stethoscope up on her heart and said, who's in there? Is that Barney? And Amanda replied, no, Jesus is in my heart. Barney is on my underwear. Okay, good reminder, right? We often talk about Jesus living in our heart, uh, but when we become Christians, which is I- it's technically true, but probably be more accurate, describe the Holy Spirit living in our heart. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. But let me s- step back for a minute. I, I want to talk about change, first of all. Change is difficult for most people. Okay, how many of you struggle with change? Okay, like, you know, change is really hard. You like to keep things. That's the way they always were. And I think the older we, we get, the, the harder, the more difficult uh, change gets. 
and, and for some reason, change seems to, to be particularly hard for God's people. We struggle with it. And, and the coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament meant a huge, huge change. Okay, the, the Holy Spirit is actually uh, present throughout the Bible, and, and the Spirit itself didn't change. God never changes, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit seems to come in, in special circumstances at, at special times. Um, for example, Joshua was filled with the Spirit and commissioned to lead Israel after the death of Moses. And, and you see instances like this throughout the Old Testament. And even into the New Testament, we continue to see that. Um, for example, Elizabeth and Zechariah were, were both said to be filled with the Holy Spirit at different times in relation to the birth uh, of their son John. But as we look at the first chapter of the book of Acts, there is an incredible change that's going to happen on a tremendous magnitude for the followers of Jesus. You see, for three years, the disciples of Jesus had followed him wherever he went. They, they ate with him. They, they traveled with him. They listened to him teach. They laughed with him. They cried with him. They went on boat rides together. You know, they had cookouts alongside the shore. They ate fish together. They're pretty much always together. And the disciples had been through this emotional roller coaster of watching Jesus die on the cross and, you know, believing in that moment that, that all hope was gone for them. And then the unthinkable happened. He did what everyone saw, thought was impossible. He defeated the grave. Okay, and they, they saw him after the, the resurrection multiple times, which gave them unbelievable joy. And, and as Luke writes the, the opening pages of Acts, the, they're on this high because Jesus had risen from the dead, and they're, they're so excited about that. But there's a new main character in the second volume that Luke writes. Okay, the, his, Luke is the author of Acts. First volume was the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes Acts. And, and, and as he looks at this, there's, there's a new character, okay? And, and you might think, oh, it's the Apostle Peter that he's talking about, uh, or it's the Apostle Paul, which those were key characters. But really, the main character is the Holy Spirit. It's God, the Holy Spirit. Luke's first book was about the activity of God, the Son. His second book is all about the activity of God, the Spirit. Okay, in fact, it wasn't until sometime in the middle of the second century that this book of Acts kind of got tagged with the title Acts of the Apostles. Uh, people gave it that title. That, that title wasn't passed down from God. Uh, probably a better title uh, would be Acts of the Holy Spirit, okay, because that's really what Luke was describing in, in this book. It's in uh, Acts 1.8, which is probably one of the most quoted verses in the Bible that we learn about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And my fear is that this verse is quoted so often that we tend to hear it in only in terms of the marching orders of Jesus that, that are given in this verse instead of the personal promise that he's giving for all followers to experience. Let's read the verse, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he's speaking to the disciples specifically here, but we would later see that the Holy Spirit would come to all believers. Okay, but this is this, a huge promise about the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and they didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying to them, but they're going to soon be experiencing supernatural power and strength in their lives through the Holy Spirit. God the Son was leaving, but God the Holy Spirit was coming. What a huge change, but an awesome change. Verse 9 says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. 
And just like that, he was gone. Yeah, I've seen a lot of first day of school pictures this week. In fact, I, I saw Corey Klingen comment by his picture of his son Corbin. Are, are you even a parent if you don't post a first day of school picture? I, I don't know. Probably not, right? Um, but a common comment that I, I saw from parents, and I see this lots of times, is something like, and just like that, I have a kid in high school or a kid in middle school or a kid in kindergarten. Or, you know, things change so quickly. For the disciples, it was just like that. Jesus was gone. But he's saying it's going to be okay. Hey, guys, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. He was preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And a few days later, the disciples were gathered together with some other uh, believers uh, in a room in Jerusalem. They're kind of waiting. Uh, and there was this festival going on in Jerusalem is to celebrate a feast called Pentecost, which was basically a, a Thanksgiving celebration for the harvest. And it was a time of joy and excitement and and so these believers are in the room together, kind of waiting for what's next. And, and the streets are packed below them. And it says, suddenly, okay, no warning, okay, no tornado siren, just suddenly something amazing happens. It says this in Acts 2, 1 through 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. See, the promised Holy Spirit had come. The, the supernatural gift of God had arrived. Talk about change. Okay, the, the followers of Jesus had been with Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. Now they received God the Spirit. And this would truly change everything for the disciples. They were, they were empowered to go into the world. They would truly begin to carry out the Great Commission. And so this is great and exciting to see this. But it also can be a little confusing, to be honest. You know, as we, as we think about the Holy Spirit, try to understand it as followers of Christ, exactly what or who is the Holy Spirit. So I want to take some time to just break that down a little bit today, and we'll ask that question, what or who is the Holy Spirit? And so first of all, we need to know and understand that the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is fully God. Th there's one God, but three distinct parts of the same God. And to be honest, it, it's a pretty difficult thing for our minds to completely wrap around this idea. Uh, but Scripture defines three distinct parts, but one God. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. We call it the Trinity, which really isn't a, a Bible word. It, it's just a word that Christians have used to describe the three-part nature of God. Okay, Sometimes it's called the triune nature of God. Of course, tri meaning three, three distinct parts of one God. Um, Jesus commanded his disciples before he left this world in Matthew 28:19. okay? We call it the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so right there, you have the three parts of God mentioned all together in one place. Father, Son, Holy, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. Now, there are two main words when referring to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Uh, pneuma. Is one of the words literally means wind or breath. Uh, parakletos is, is the other word. It's that's translated Holy Spirit. Basically means comforter, uh, helper, or advocate, and counselor are all different kind of translations of the same word depending on the version that you're reading. But we see this in, in John fourteen twenty six. But the advocate, 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Okay, this is Jesus talking to disciples not long before he would be killed, and, and he's telling them to prepare, be prepared for the Holy Spirit to come. He's encouraged them, guys, it's going to be okay. Okay, the Holy Spirit will come and, and will continue to teach you and, and remind you of what I've already taught you. Jesus knew they're, they're going to need a lot of help. It, it, it's like if you're starting a new job and, and you feel like you have a fire hose of information, maybe you've been there, uh, but you have somebody right there with you to kind of help you and guide you and, and, and walk you through things. And this wasn't just some, some wise person, okay? That this was God, the Holy Spirit, that would be helping them, okay? What else do we know about the Holy Spirit? Let's keep looking at some things. The Holy Spirit has all the divine attributes of God, okay? And, and we see these divine attributes in several places in Scripture. One of the things that we've talked about several times is that uh, things that define God and make him different uh, is uh, are the three O's, okay? Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, okay? So um, omniscient is what? All-knowing. Uh, you know, the basic essence of the Holy Spirit is that, that he's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says the Spirit searches all things, okay? Um, and then omnipotent, which is what? All-powerful, good. Uh, you can't read through the book of Acts without seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. There are no limitations. And then omnipresent, okay, which is uh, being everywhere at the same time. So the Holy Spirit can dwell in every believer simultaneous, simultaneously. That's a hard word to say. Uh, and that's kind of hard to comprehend uh, it with our limited minds, how, how that can be, but it's true. In fact, we are promised that when we give our lives to Christ and, and are baptized, uh, that we will be given what is described as this gift, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It, it's the best gift you'll ever receive. You know, after the Holy Spirit had come on the disciples, Peter was preaching the, the first Christian sermon that we have recorded to, and, and he's preaching to a whole bunch of people. They were gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, for Pentecost, and, and, and it says that they were cut to the heart, and, uh, you know, Peter, they're saying, okay, hey, we believe this. Uh, what should we do? What do we do about this? What's our next step? What do we do now? And, and Peter said to them, Another f very famous verse, Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay, that's a woohoo <laughs> type moment, right? We get to have the gift of God living in us. Isn't that cool? The, the God of the universe is somehow living in with us or in us. It's called the indwelling of the Spirit. Okay, what else do we know about the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, the Holy Spirit is described with the traits of a person in the Bible. And, and you're, if you're like me, this is kind of a hard one to wrap your mind around, but how can the Holy Spirit be a person? You know, we don't see the Holy Spirit walking around like a person, like we would see Jesus when he was here. But I think we need to look at what it means to be a person a little differently. Okay, think about this. A person has a mind, a will, and, and emotions. Okay, we, we think with our minds, we, we feel with our emotions, we, we desire with our will. And actually the Holy Spirit does that, these things as well. He has a mind to think and, and act upon. 
that thinking. He has a will, uh, which is a you know a personal identity, and he has emotions like we do. I like how the King James Version translates Philippians 2.5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, you see, I, I think the Holy Spirit wants to help us to think like God thinks and, and to want what God wants. And, and as we grow and mature in our faith, the goal is to become more and more like Christ. And, and we can do that because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, helping us to to have that, that mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit also has emotions like we do. And Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, grieving is an emotion. Okay, a, a thing can't grieve, but a person can grieve. Have you ever felt a, a heaviness of heart after you've sinned and maybe a kind of an uneasiness in your stomach? I think that's because the Holy Spirit is sad that, that you've done that. It hurts God when we sin. God does not take sin lightly. And the Bible also refers to him or he when referring to the Holy Spirit, not it. Okay, listen to, to what Jesus says about him. This is going back to John in 14, 16, and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and, and will be in you. Okay, you see how the Spirit is referred to there. Uh, look, let's look at another example, John 16, 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So you can see clearly that John presents the Holy Spirit as he, a person, not it. He's a personal being with a, a self-identity, different from both the Father and the Son, but part of the Trinity of, of the Godhead. And I think it's important that we do see the Holy Spirit as a person because you want to be able to, to develop a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you, if you see the Holy Spirit as just some kind of mysterious God thing that's supposed to be living in you, uh, you might have not really be able to be able to connect with the Spirit. But talk to Him like He's your friend. I mean, you want, might want to be careful about where you're talking to Him if you're in public or if you're doing it out loud, but, but you can talk to Him anytime. People might you know, think you're a little crazy if you're having a, a conversation with your invisible friend in the middle of public, but um, it's okay when you're a kid to have your invisible friend. Not a little awkward when you get older. But you can talk to the Holy Spirit, and, and you can learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, to, to listen to the urgings of the Spirit. You know, sometimes I'll be talking to somebody, and, uh, you know, in my head I'm just I'm praying to God and asking God for wisdom and, and the right things to say to them. And, and, and I feel like the Holy Spirit just guides me when that happens. And, and sometimes I'm thinking in my mind, wow, thank you, God, for giving me <laughs> that to say. I don't even know where that came from, except I do know where it came from. Um, Sometimes I don't listen well, but when I do, it's pretty cool. Uh, but I think if we have the mindset of the Holy Spirit as a person with a mind, will, and emotions living in us, I think it's going to help it, the Spirit to be more personal to us. Here's another thing. We, we need to know and understand that the Holy Spirit is powerful. 
Okay, at the beginning of Acts, Jesus is, is sharing his last words on earth before going back to heaven. And I want to read it one more time. Acts 1, 8, and 9. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay, do you see that there? Jesus is saying, you're going to experience supernatural power from God, the Holy Spirit, to do things that they could never do on their own, uh, in their own limited strength. God the Son was, was leaving, but God the Holy Spirit was coming. And as you read through Acts, there's just some incredible things that happen. Man, if you haven't ever read through the book of Acts, you need to. Okay, just do it. Start read, do it this week. When I was in college uh, and, and playing on the football team at Truman State University, um, I didn't work directly with this coach that much because I was a kicker, but uh, the strength coach for the our football team, his name was John Ware. And so uh, Coach Ware was one of the biggest, strongest men I've ever seen in my life. In fact, he was the strongest man I've ever known. He was absolutely huge. <laughs> he was probably 6'5". I think he weighed about 330 pounds, and, but but it was just solid. He, he was just amazing. But, you know, you go up to him and you shake his hand. You think he's going to crunch your hand. He just had this really soft handshake. It was surprising. But but he was literally one of the strongest men in the world. And when you combine bench press, dead deadlift, and squat, those three things, um, he would do contests. And, and, and uh, I think he had some w- world records for a while. So he was amazing. But as strong as Coach Ware's strength was, it, it was limited, okay? In fact, uh, he died of a heart attack sitting at his desk uh, several years ago. Very sad thing. Um, but you see, as strong as Coach Ware's strength was, it was nothing compared to the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. Mo- most people wouldn't doubt that God is powerful. We say that, but, and if the Holy Spirit is God, then it would make sense that the Holy Spirit has the same power, right? And if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, then we have something very powerful to tap into, okay, according to God's will. Uh, but I think we tend to, to leave a whole lot on the table when it comes to, to fully uh, tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only this is the Holy Spirit powerful, the Holy Spirit is personal, I think just by looking at some of the words that are used to translate the word for spirit, it gives you a glimpse of just how personal the, the Holy Spirit is. Okay, John 16, 7 says this, But I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. When I go away, I will send the Helper to you. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come. Okay, I, I like that. Like I said earlier, Helper or Comforter, Advocate or Counselor, there, there's some translations of this word. But each of these kind of describes a very personal aspect of the Holy Spirit. In this passage, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and, and he's trying to tell them, you know, it, it's going to be okay. It, it's e- even going to be better for them when he goes because they'll just have this helper, the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, they're not really understanding things at this point, but it won't be too long before they do understand And when the Spirit did come on them, it, it changed things forever. And they had this personal helper to guide them. Not a, not a faraway God, but a, a personal God. And we can have a personal helper too if we, if we let the Spirit into our lives and, and we let it help us and minister to us. Now there's another aspect of the Spirit, and that is this. The Holy Spirit convicts us. 
Okay, this is a little more serious side to the spirit, and, and you know, not a fun thing, but a, a, a needed thing. This is important stuff. We see it in John 16, 8, and 9, in referring to the Spirit. When He comes, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and, and judgment about sin because people do not believe in Me. Okay, Jesus is talking about the Spirit here. And so the Spirit convicts us uh, of sin. He, he helps us know, okay, when, when we're not doing the right thing. He convicts us of, of righteousness. We know what perfection is and uh, because of Jesus, and, and, and we can only be fa- made perfect through Jesus. We need to remember that. But he convicts us of judgment and that there will be a, a final judgment coming one day. And, and we don't need to worry about it as followers of Jesus. Um, but there's this element of, hey, you know, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure that's the right thing? And, and I think that's... The, the convicting of the Spirit. So there's the convicting aspect of the Holy Spirit. And then did you know that the Holy Spirit prays for us? Hey, this, this is a really cool aspect of, of the Spirit. I really, this is one of my favorite ones. Romans 8, 26 and 27 talks about this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Okay, intercedes basically means to pray on behalf of another person. So the Spirit prays or intercedes on our behalf. Have you ever gone before God and and, and you just don't have words to say what your heart's trying to say? Do you know you can just say, "Hey, hey, Holy Spirit, Take over for me. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to pray or what to pray. And he will. And he'll pray the, the right thing for you according to God's will. How cool is that? Sorry, students. It, don't, it only works with prayer. won't work with schoolwork or tests. You can't ask the Spirit to take your test for you. Um, you still have to do that for yourself. Although you can pray that God will help you with your schoolwork or tests and, and you know, help you remember the things you've studied and that kind of thing. But the Spirit uh, intercedes for us, prays for us. And then here's another really cool aspect. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us up. Okay? Uh, I'll talk about what that means. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul encourages us to be filled with the Spirit. So so what does that mean? Okay, Don't we either have the Spirit or or we don't have the Spirit? Okay, well, the answer is yes. Um, as a baptized follower of, of Jesus Christ, we are promised the Holy Spirit like we talked about earlier. But I believe that the amount of impact we allow the Holy Spirit to have on us is up to us. Okay, w- We can have the Holy Spirit in us, but not let it take total control of our lives. A- and I want to just illustrate that a little bit here. It might be a little hard to see because the camera's so far away, but so we'll try this. But, um, you know, I think sometimes we... We get in our lives and, 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 you know, we're Christians, but so much other stuff. You know, there's maybe some some sin that gets in there and kind of affects things, and, and, and that kind of clouds things. Or maybe there's some uh, relationship issues, and, and, and that kind of murks things up, or, you know, wh- whatever it might be. There's distractions of the world. Maybe it, it, it's your job or or different things. And, and before too long, we just kind of have this, this murky junk 
in our lives. And, and, and it's just kind of sitting there, and it's kind of keeping us from fully being able to um, follow God with all of our hearts. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to kind of illustrate that, that if we are, are, are just dumping the Holy Spirit into our lives, He's going to start to push all that junk away. And things are going to clear up. And, and over time, yeah, it, it's going to just get clearer. And, 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 you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect. Our lives aren't going to be perfect. doesn't mean everything, oh, I don't have any problems anymore. But that Holy Spirit wants to fill us up and say, hey, I will help you. I have these things. I'll take care of them. The Holy Spirit wants to help us get rid of the junk in our lives, but, but we just can't do that in, unless we let us fill us up. Not just a little bit, not just enough to get by, but my hope is that the Spirit will overflow in our lives and it will be to God's glory. And the junker and sin, uh, you know, and the Holy Spirit, they just don't mix. But why would you want to keep that junk around? So let the Holy Spirit fill you up. Guys, here's the deal. There's a man named E. Paul Hovey that said this. He said, the word comforter, as applied to the Holy Spirit, needs to be translated by some vigorous term. Literally, it means with strength. Jesus promised his followers that the strengthener would be with them forever. This promise is no lullaby for the faint-hearted. It is a blood transfusion for courageous living. I like that. Hey, the... The Holy Spirit is not just some wimpy thing that God gives us in his life. It's not this is all oh, this nice little comforting, peaceful thing. You know, the Holy Spirit should mean strength to us forever. The Holy Spirit can make us strong and bold and, and ready to face the world. What a blessing it, it, ha it is to have God living within us. Guys, the, the Holy Spirit loves you so much. Okay, and, and I just say, thank you, God. For this amazing gift. I mean, what else do you say? Um, I wanted to mention that the next next week, we're going to end our supernatural series by talking about the the topic of salvation, and, and there is a supernatural element of being saved and and what God does to us, and 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 we're going to talk about that to end our series. And and any day is a great day to get baptized. Next week it would be a great way to end the series. If if any's been been thinking about that, or if you decide you're ready to do that, what an awesome celebration that would be. Um, so talk to me if you might be interested. Baptism isn't just something for young people; it's for anybody who's ready to fully follow Christ. Okay, so pray about it if you might be interested. As we close this morning, maybe you're kind of thinking that you have resisted letting the Holy Spirit fully work in your life for too long. Um, you know, in Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders, right before they, they stone him to death, he, and he was the first Christian martyr, he said this in Acts 7.51, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Okay, th those are pretty harsh words, right, from Stephen. And, and, and I'm not trying to be harsh this morning, but, but I hope that, that God can't say that about me or, or you. 
or our church? That we ever resist the Holy Spirit? And, and if we do, we need to change that right now. Okay, we, we need to be on God's side, completely, fully on God's side. And, and I pray that instead of resisting the Holy Spirit, we will be completely filled with the Holy Spirit to let it just overflow in our lives. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing gift that you have offered to us. We, we thank you that we, we get to have you living inside of us to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to convict us, to challenge us. And, and I pray that we will live lives that are completely filled with the Spirit. And we know that's going to be an amazing difference to everything we do. Thank you for being patient with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As always, thank you uh, for joining us, and, and God bless.